Good evening, and welcome to the Sleep with Josh podcast. It's the podcast where you sleep with Josh. I am comedian Josh Yang, and every episode I read various pieces of literature in my trademark monotone voice to help you drift off to sleep. Literature like the dictionary, laws, various manuals, the different terms of services that everyone agrees to but never really reads, and other random boring ideas. Tonight, we return to the wonderful world of food and cheese with The Complete Book of Cheese by Bob Brown. Trust me, it'll be an unbreathable time. I apologize. If you find yourself enjoying this experience, please follow this podcast on your podcast player of choice and tell everyone you know that you sleep with Josh. Because at the end of the day, the more people that sleep with Josh, the better. Feel free to also follow me on social media at Josh Yang Comedy. Now sit back, relax, and close your eyes because you'll get tired of this podcast. Guaranteed. The Complete Book of Cheese by Bob Brown Continuing with Habla Creme Chantilly The name Habla Creme Chantilly sounds French The cheese is Swedish and actually lives up to the blurb in the imported package. Quote, The overall characteristic is indescribable and delightful freshness. End quote. This exclusive product of the Walk Gard Creamery was hailed by Sheila Hibben in The New Yorker of May 6, 1950 as enthusiastically as Brillat Savarin would have greeted a new dish or the planetarium 
a new star. Quote, Endeavoring to be as restrained as I can, I shall merely suggest that the arrival of Creme Chantilly is a historic event, and that in reporting on it, I feel something of the responsibility that the contemporaries of Madame Herald, Herald, the famous cheese-making lady of Normandy, must have felt when they were passing judgment on the first Camembert. Miss Hibben goes on to say that only a fromage à la crème made in Quebec had come anywhere near her impression of the new Swedish triumph. She quotes the last word from the makers themselves, quote, This is a very special product that has never been made on this earth before. And speaks of, quote, the elusive flavor of mushrooms. Before summing up, quote, the exquisitely textured curd and the unexpectedly fresh flavor combine to make it one of the most subtly enjoyable foods that have come my way in a long time. And so say we, all of us. Hand cheese. Hand cheese has this niche in our cheese hall of fame. Not because we consider it great, but because it is usually included among 18 varieties on which the hundreds of others are based. It is named from having been molded into its final shape by hand. Universally popular with Germanic races, it is too strong for the others. To our mind, hand cheese never had anything that Al Gower or Limburger hasn't improved upon. It is the only cheese that is commonly melted into steins of beer and drunk instead of eaten. It is usually studded with caraway seeds, the most natural spice for curds. Limburger Limburger has always been popular in America, ever since it was brought over by German-American immigrants. But England never took to it. This is eloquently expressed in the following entry in the English Encyclopedia of Practical Cookery. Quote, Limburger cheese is chiefly famous for its pungently offensive odor. It is made from skimmed milk and allowed to partially decompose before pressing. It is very little known in this country and might be less so with advantage to consumers." End quote. But this is libel. Butter soft and sapid, Limburger has brought gustatory pleasure 
to millions of hardy gastronomes since it came to light in the province of Lutic in Belgium. It has been Americanized for almost a century and is by now one of the very few cheeses successfully imitated here, chiefly in New York and Wisconsin. Early Wisconsiners will never forget the Limburger Rebellion in green country, when the people rose in protest against the Limburger caravan that was accustomed to park in the little town of Monroe, where it was marketed. They threatened to stage a modern Boston Tea Party and dump the odoriferous bricks in the river. When five or six wagon loads were left ripening in the sun in front of the town bank, the Limburger was finally stored safely underground. I hear Ken Burns is gonna do a documentary on the Limburger Rebellion in Greene County. Riveting, riveting stuff. Livero. Livero has been described as decadent. Quote, the very Verlaine of them all, end quote. And Victor Musi personifies it in a poem dedicated to all the great French cheeses, of which we give a free translation. In the dog days, in its overflowing dish, Livero gesticulates or weeps like a child. I don't know what that means. Okay. Munster. Guess we're leaving Livero. Another poem by Victor Musi. At the diplomatic banquet, one must choose his peace. All is politics, a cheese and a flag. You annoy the Russians if you take Chester. You irritate the Prussians in choosing Munster. Victor Musi. Like Limburger, this male cheese, often caraway flavored, does not fare well in England. Although over here we consider Munster far milder than Limburger. The English writer Eric Ware in When Madam Cooks will have none of it. Quote, I cannot think why this cheese was not thrown from the aeroplanes during the war to spread panic amongst enemy troops. It would have been far more efficacious Efficacious? Efficacious? Efficacious than those nasty, deadly gases that kill people permanently. Neufchatel. If the cream cheese be white, far fairer the hands that made them. A very short poem by Arthur. Hugh 
clue or cloth. Although originally from Normandy, Neufchatel, like Limburger, was so long ago welcomed to America and made so splendidly at home here that we may consider it our very own. All we have against it is that it has served as the model for too many processed abominations. Parmesan, Romano, Pecorino, Pecorino Romano. Parmesan, when young, soft, and slightly crumbly, is eaten on bread. But when well-aged, let us say up to a century, it becomes rock of Gibraltar, of cheeses and really suited for grading. It is easy to believe that the so-called, quote, Spanish cheese, used as a barricade by Americans in Nicaragua almost a century ago, was none other than the almost indestructible grana, as Parmesan is called in Italy. The association between cheese and battling began in BC days with the Jews and Romans who fed cheese to their soldiers not only for its energy value but as a convenient form of rations since every army travels on its stomach and can't go faster than its impedimenta. The last notable mention of cheese in war was the name of the monitor, quote, a cheese box on a raft, end quote. Romano is not as expensive as Parmesan, although it is as friable, sharp, and tangy for flavoring, especially for soups such as onion and minestrone. It is brittle and just off-white, when well-aged. Although made of sheep's milk, Pecorino is classed with both Parmesan and Romano. All three are excellently imitated in Argentina. Romano and Pecorino Romano are interchangeable names for the strong, medium-sharp, and piquant Parmesan types that sell for considerably less. Most of it is now shipped from Sardinia. There are several different kinds, Pecorino Dolce, Sweet, Sardo Toscano, and Pecorino Romano Caccio, which relates it to Caccio Cavallo. Kibitzers complain that some of the cheaper types of pecorino are soapy, but fans give it high praise. Gillian F., in her, quote, letter from Italy, in Osbert Burdett's delectable Little Book of Cheese, writes, quote, Out in the orchard my companion, I don't remember how, had provided the miracle 
a flask of wine, a loaf of bread, and a slab of fresh pecorino cheese. In brackets there wasn't any thou for either. But that cheese was paradise, and the flask was emptied, and a wood dove cooing made you think that the flask's contents were in a crystal goblet instead of an enamel cup. One only, and the cheese broken with the fingers, a cheese of cheeses." End quote. Pont Levesque. This semi-soft, medium-strong, golden-tinted French classic, made since the 13th century, is definitely a dessert cheese whose excellence is brought out best by a sound claret or tawny port. Port Salut C. Trappist Provolone Within recent years, Provolone has taken America by storm, as Camembert Roquefort, Swiss, Limburger, Neufchatel, and such great ones did long before. But it has not been successfully imitated here because the original is made of rich water buffalo milk, unattainable in the Americas. With Cavallo, this mellow Smoky, flavorsome delight is put up in all sorts of artistic forms. Red cellophane apples, pears, bells, a regular zoo of animals, and in all sorts of sizes, up to a monumental hundred-pound bass relieved imported for exhibition purposes by Phil Alpert or Phil Alpair. Roquefort. Homage to this fromage, long hailed as Le Roi Roquefort. It has filled books and booklets beyond count. By the miracle of Penicillium Roqueforti, a new cheese was made. It is placed historically back around the 8th century when Charlemagne was found picking out the green spots of Priscilla with the point of his knife, thinking them decay. But the monks of St. Gall, who were his hosts, recorded in their annals that when they regaled him with Roquefort, in brackets, because it was Friday and they had no fish. They also made bold to tell him he was wasting the best part of the cheese. So he tasted again, found the advice excellent, and liked it so well he ordered two cases. Case. Cases. C-A-I-S-S-E-S. -S -S -S. Pronounce it how you like. 
of it sent every year to his palace at Aix-la-Chapelle. He also suggested that it be cut in half first to make sure it was well veined with blue and bound up with a wooden fastening. Perhaps he hoped the wood would protect the cheese from mice and rats, for the good monks of St. Gall couldn't be expected to send an escort of cats from their chalky caves to guard them, even for Charlemagne. There is no telling how many cats were mustered out in the caves in those early days, but a recent census put the number at 500. A recent census. Okay. We can readily imagine the head handler in the caves leading a night inspection with a candle, followed by his chief taster and a regiment of cats. While the Dutch and other makers of cheese also employ cats to patrol their storage caves, Roquefort holds the record for number. An interesting point in this connection is that as rats and mice pick only the prime cheeses, a gnawed one is not thrown away, but greatly prized. Sapsago Schabzager or Swiss green cheese. The name Sapsago is a corruption of Schabziger, German for whey cheese. It's a hay cheese flavored heavily with melillo, a kind of clover that's also grown for hay. It comes from Switzerland in a hard, truncated cone wrapped in a piece of paper that says, to be used grated only, genuine Swiss green cheese made of skimmed milk and herbs. To the housewives, do you want a change in your meals? Try the contents of this wrapper, delicious as spreading mixed with butter, excellent for flavoring eggs, macaroni, spaghetti, potatoes, soup, etc. can be used in place of any other cheese. Do not take too much. You might spoil the flavor. We put this wrapper among our papers, sealed it tight in an envelope, and to this day, six months later, the scent of Sapsago clings round it still. Stilton Honor for Cheeses Literary and bunching circles in London are putting quite a lot of thought into a proposed memorial to Stilton Cheese. There is a Stilton Memorial Committee with Sir John Squire at the head and already the boys are fighting. One side, led by Sir John, is all for a monument. This, presumably, would not be a replica of Stilton itself, although Mr. Epstein 
could probably hack out a pretty effective cheese-shaped figure and call it Dolorosa. The Monument Booster's plan, a figure of Mrs. Paulette, who first introduced Stilton to England, in brackets, possibly a group showing Mrs. Paulette, holding a young Stilton by the hand and introducing it while the Stilton curtsies. End brackets. T.S. Eliot does not think that anyone will look at a monument, but wants to establish a foundation for the preservation of ancient cheeses. The practicability of this plan would depend largely on the site selected for the treasure house and the cost of obtaining a curator who could, or would, give his whole time to the work. Mr. J. A. Simmons, who is secretary of the committee, agrees with Mr. Elliot that a simple statue is not the best form. I should like, he says, something irrelevant. Gargoyles, perhaps. I think that Mr. Simmons has hit on something there. I would suggest, if we Americans can pitch into this great movement, some gargoyles designed by Mr. Rube Goldberg. If the memorial could be devised so as to take on an international scope, an exchange fellowship might be established between England and America. Although the exchange, in the case of Stilton, would have to be all on England's side. We might be allowed to furnish the money, however, while England furnishes the cheese. There is a very good precedent for such a bargain between the two countries. This entire thing was written by Robert Benchley in After 1903. What? I think that's a book. When all seems lost in England, there is still Stilton an endless after-dinner conversation piece to which England points with pride. For a sound appreciation of this cheese, see Clifton Fadiman's introduction to this book. Taleggio and Bel Paese When the great Italian cheesemaker, Galbini, first exported Bel Paese some years ago, it was an elegant ambassador to America. But as the years went on and imitations were made in many lands, Galbini deemed it wise to set up his own factory in our beautiful country. However, the domestic Bel Paese and a minute one-pounder called Bel Paesino just didn't have that old alpine zest they were no better than the German copy called Schönland, after the original, or the French Fleur des Alpes. Fleur des Alpes. Melfino was a blend of Bel Paese and Gorgonzola. It perked up the market for a full fruity cheese with snap. 
Then Galbini hit the jackpot with his Taleggio that fills the need for the sharpest, most sophisticated pungence of them all. Trappist, Port Salut, or Port du Salut, and Oka. In spite of its name, Trappist is no rat trap commoner. Always of the elect, and better known as Port Salut, or Port du Salut, from the original home of the Trappist monks in their chief French abbey. It is also set apart from the ordinary Canadians under the name of Oka, from the Trappist monastery there. It is made by Trappist monks all over the world, according to the original secret formula, and by Trappist Cistercian monks at the Abbey of Gethsemane, Trappist in Kentucky. This is a soft cheese, creamy, and of superb flavor. You can't go wrong if you look for the monastery name stamped on, such as Harze in Belgium, Mont de Cats in Flanders, Saint Anne de Auray in Brittany, and so forth. Last but not least, a commercial port salut entirely without benefit of clergy or monastery, is made in Milwaukee under the Lion brand. It is one of the finest American cheeses in which we have ever sunk a fang. And that is the end of the section called Foreign Greats of Chapter 3. This feels like a good time and place to end this episode of the podcast. Next episode, we will discuss Native American cheeses or cheeses that are native to America. But in the meantime, congratulations, you've just slept with Josh. But if you're still awake, please don't forget to follow this podcast on your podcast player of choice and tell everyone you know that you sleep with Josh. Thank you and good night.